welcome to the sixth episode of the Football Media Podcast on the team of John O'Shea's platform. I'm John McKenzie and across the course of the new season, I'm going to be bringing you a weekly podcast that seeks to open up the often murky underworld of the football media. Each episode will bring you an interview with an expert in as many diverse areas within the industry as possible. We've got writers, authors, artists, journalists, broadcasters, event coordinators, lawyers, commentators... If you can name it, we've got it. This week I'm speaking to George Starkey Midder, a media and communications officer at Kick It Out, football's equality and inclusion organisation. In the course of our conversation, we discuss the role that the media plays in Kick It Out's attempts to educate individuals and respond to instances of discrimination within the world of football. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes in order to help us gain exposure, and if you're a social media person, follow us on Twitter at Footy Media Pod. Next week we'll be talking to Alex Stewart about Tifo, a media company producing animated videos and changing the face of the football media. But before that, it's George Starkey Midder, Kick It Out and the role of the media in the fight against discrimination. Enjoy. I'm joined today by George Starkey Midder, Media and Communications Officer at Kick It Out. George, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you, John? Really good. As I do in all of the podcasts, I like to get my guests to start off by introducing themselves, telling me a little bit about what it is that they do, a little bit about how they end up doing what they do. So let's hear a little bit about your background. I've always been very, you know, very passionate about football, um, you know, football fan, Chelsea fan, uh, my whole life playing, refing, you know, basically any, any, all things football. Um, and then from the age of about 16, uh, onwards, I sort of started to want to get involved in sports journalism. Um, went to university and, uh, studied politics, but, um, was, you know, heavily involved in stuff, you know, student paper, the local paper in Bristol, the Bristol Post. That was, um, I did a, I did a university, uh, radio podcast and, uh, and all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, but I mean, actually, as, as the years went on while I was at university, I sort of started to veer away from wanting to be an outright kind of football journalist and such just because, I realised that I enjoyed writing. Uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to make a living out of being an out-and-out writer. Uh, I enjoyed uh-huh. having perhaps a bit more of a, a a variety of stuff. And But to be honest, during university, I didn't really know that sort of communications, media and communications really existed as a field. Um, so about for about six months after I left university, I did end up falling into writing and I was, um, writing for, uh, real sport, which obviously, you know, very well. Um, yeah. and I was, the, I was the editor there. I was the first uh, editor there for about, um, up around six months and then, uh, ended up moving on and was looking for new employment. And then all of a sudden, um, just saw a, you know, I think it was Media Arg, um, tweeted out a, an internship at Kick It Out. And as someone who's always been very interested in sort of social issues, you know, I studied politics at, um, at, at Bristol. So I was always, you know, very interested in those kind of things. My, you know, family are very much a, a Labour Party family, although, you know, I'm very passionate about social justice and stuff like that. But I was always a big football fan and knew I wanted to be involved in, in media in some, some aspects so it all kind of fell into place quite perfectly to be honest um you know 
for the role at Kick It Out. And I applied for it, to be honest, thinking I had very little chance of actually getting it. But lo and behold, I was very fortunate and, and managed to get the role and started off as an intern there, um, you know, getting on for three years ago now and uh, have uh, slowly kind of progressed through the ranks and, and, and here I am. You're a media and communications officer. So what does your job entail? How much writing does that entail? And, and how much overlap is there with what you did before? Um, well, I mean, you know, that's one of the things I like about the role is that I still I still get to, to write a decent amount. You know, I think I, I didn't I certainly didn't want to give up writing altogether. Um, I mean, in terms of my role at Kick It Out, it, it's, it, it can be quite difficult to, 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 to describe a normal week because it can really change you know it can really shift depending on what's happening in the world of football what what's happening in terms of events coming up but um you know a lot of the work will be around social media website you know all, all that kind of sort of quite you know that's the bread and butter stuff um you know updating the website and making sure um everything's uh you know everything's clear and all the copies written and and, and all those kinds of things but then um brought more broadly our, our work i suppose falls into two two aspects you know that you've got the proactive stuff uh, which is perhaps more difficult that's you know developing project work with other organizations uh, producing educational resources around different aspects of equality you know whether that's racism sexism you know anti-semitism homophobia stuff like that and and then we'll also be promoting our the work that we do as a charity so whether that's uh, in education, delivering into schools and football academies and all kinds of stuff like that, are working grassroots, um, you know, with with clubs across the country, uh, with our work with fans, our work in professional clubs. So a real broad range of stuff. And as I said, you know, that can be more difficult to um, get kind of coverage and uh, an awareness for because, uh, unfortunately. Um, what people are often more interested in is the negative stuff. So that's our reactive work, which is basically when an incident of racism or an incident of homophobia or, you know, any incident of discrimination happens in, in a football game or social media or what have you. And then all of a sudden our inbox and our phones are filling up with requests from various journalists to say, you know, what our response is, what our comment is on the, uh, on the issue. Tell us a little bit more about Kick It Out. What's the the history behind the organisation? How did it come about? Well, you've given us a good flavour there of the things that you're doing on a day to day basis. But what are the what are the main points of of what the organisation is seeking to do? Well, I mean, you know, the organisation, and you know, as, uh, as you may know, this year is our sort of twenty fifth anniversary, um, and it started off back in '93, uh, sort of born out of a situation where black players were facing you know awful and regular racial abuse whether you know whether that was bananas being thrown from supporters whether that was monkey noises or you know getting booed or facing uh racism within within the football club within the working environment all kinds of stuff like that and so we started off as a, as let's kick racism out of football um our chair lord Usley. Uh, was then the head of the Commission for Racial Equality, which became the Equality and Human Rights Co- Commission in 2007. Um, so he sort of, uh, alongside uh, the PFA uh, and the, uh, I can't remember the name now, but the foot, whatever, the Football Trust, which is, became the Football Foundation, um, they sort of started this campaign with a few of the players like John Fashnu, like Paul Elliott, people who had been suffering this racism at the time. And it was really to take a stand and say, you know, 
we're not going to take this anymore. We're not going to accept um, kind of a, a secondary status within football. We're not going to allow ourselves to be racially abused on a on a weekly basis to, and treated, um, you know, just absolutely appallingly. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, it, it was a it was a slog. Uh, it was really difficult at first to um, to get the support of of the clubs of, of people in football but you know the, you know slowly they managed to and, and by 1997 which is about four years later they'd um expanded to 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 all forms of discrimination because it became apparent that you know you couldn't just tackle racism within football and, and ignore everything else there you know huge issues to do with um you know homophobia as um you know, as seen by, you know, obviously the sort of tragic uh, suicide of Justin Fashnu, um in the 90s. You also had, you know, of course, issues with sexism, with, uh, you know, anti-Semitism, you know, access for disabled supporters, all, all kinds of things that were absolutely vital for us to kind of, you know, move on to. But, you know, racism's always obviously stayed a central part of our of our work, as it has with um you know, as has all forms of discrimination, and, and and I just think ultimately our our aim is to make football a more inclusive place um, for everyone, you know, regardless of their background, and to really challenge the, you know, challenge everyone within the game to 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 do their bit as well as do you know us doing our bit to 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 tackle to tackle the issues that that sort of are still in the game now. So when you say you guys are doing your bit what do you consider that bit to to comprise of what are the what are the sort of act, actions that you are taking uh, regularly are you are you lobbying simply or is it are you are you rolling out programs that will actively reduce these sorts of discriminations how does it function well i mean so we have um sort of two two of the the key parts of what we do is uh, you know and i've briefly mentioned it is um our work in education and that's really quite broad so not many people and we're doing our best to make sure make the public aware of this but you know not that many are aware that we deliver um education and equality workshops into first team squads um across the premier league and the football league um so so you know really starting from within the football club we also deliver educational work to um academy uh, academy um teams at every level um sort of, you know like i said efl and premier league but every age group so we're delivering into them which is obviously a vital you know part of what we do to really ensure that the players themselves are aware of the issues that that, that may crop up and that, that they may face and we also deliver into schools and colleges and, and we have lots of partnership work with universities we've got this fantastic initiative called uh, the next 25 um, scholarship which uh, you'll be hearing more about in the next few weeks hopefully but um effectively it's a partnership with UCFB uh university based at at Wembley and um at the Etihad in Manchester and it's a basically it's a scholarship a full scholarship for 25 uh students for undergraduate or postgraduate who are studying a football related de- degree and they're going to be doing research projects for us and be our ambassadors for us and and all kinds of great stuff like that so that that's the work we do in education um we also have a, uh, and, and we like to think that our our work there you know is is really influencing um you know the kind of the people who hold the lever, levers of power within football to actually you know ultimately raise awareness and and give them the understanding that that will allow change 
to happen because the the problem is I think sometimes is that people have a have a loose understanding, you know, everyone, you know, racism is bad, sexism is bad, but it's about giving people a bit more of an in-depth understanding of, of how these issues can play out in the workplace and how these issues can play out within football and how to challenge them, giving people the tools to challenge them and stuff like that. And um, aside from that, we've also got a... Um, we do a lot of work in terms of reporting so we believe heavily in education and rehabilitating people who behaved badly and really trying to educate people but at the same time it's also very important that in 2018 people know that if you do behave in a discriminatory way if you are if you do racially abuse someone if you do you know shout any kind of discriminatory abuse at a football game or at social media or a sunday league game that that there are consequences so we are a reporting bureau we have a reporting officer and we're actually recruiting a second at the moment uh, so expanding in that area and if you're you know, if you're playing a football match, whether it's, you know, right from the Premier League down to, you know, Hackney Marshes on a Sunday, you can report any incident of discrimination to us and we will then follow that up, whether it's with the county FA or with the, the FA or if it's, you know, something more serious, you know, it, it may be the police, you know, British Transport Police, the UK Football Policing Unit. So it, it's kind of a, you know, carrot and, carrot and stick situation where we're trying to get out there and get ahead of these issues and and raise a raise awareness and educate people to make them understand why you know uh, discrimination is a bad thing and, and and how it and the negative impacts it it can have but at the same time we're also there to to say that right well, if you're not going to listen to us if you're not going to listen to the people who are telling you that you shouldn't discriminate you will face consequences and that may end up with banning orders that may end up with um you know stadium bans that may end up with fines or you know if it's a player it may end up with a you know a five game ten game ban you know it, it's uh it, it varies hmm. so we first met at the raise your game conference that was held at the emirates stadium this this year could you tell us a little bit about that because that's obviously still working in that same field of making people aware of discrimination but also i think attempting to offset the the negative aspects of discrimination as much as possible so could you tell us a little bit about raise your game um well i mean raise your games are i mean really a fantastic program and um i'm surprised it's taken me this long to mention it to be honest it's um it's a really fantastic program headed up by our education manager troy townsend um and the idea is as you know it's been going for about uh six years now um and you know ultimately you know uh, within football media, and I'm sure this, this is something you, you have explored and will continue to explore. It's, you know, it's, there's a real lack of diversity within football media. There's also, uh, a, a lack of diversity across all of football, whether it's in, you know, coaching. There's been a lot of discussion about, um, you know, BME coaches in the game in, in, in recent years, um, whether it's club staff, whether it's, you know, um, any, anything, anything to do with football, that there, there is a lack of diversity there. And the, the idea of the program is to really get, uh, to diversify football's workforce and give people the opportunity just to get their foot in the door. You know, it, it's, it's not that necessarily people come to our own event and Im- immediately they'll get, you know, they'll get a job working for, for Arsenal or they'll get a job working for, you know, 
the times or anything like that but it's giving people opportunities so they get um one-to-one mentoring they get um you know they might get careers workshops they get careers advice all kinds of stuff like that and we run about five or six events a year so we have a national conference usually at um at the emirates and there we'll get about 300 mentees um and 100 mentors and like you said you, you know you uh you were kind enough to give up your time early this year and, and come along and um so people get in the morning they usually do lots of you know you might get kind of six or seven one-to-one um sessions with you know some really fantastic uh, mentors you know we get people who are really at you know the, the the top of their their field within football so you know obviously um you know really high quality journalists really you know high quality you know high quality coaches all kinds of stuff like that and it gives people a real chance to um to to you know in some cases people do get work experience and do you know make those connections that then allow them to get a job opportunity and that you know that happens every year but even even if you don't get that you just get a chance to understand how football works and just start to sort of dip your toe in the water and 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 and, and progress your career in that way because i think football can be quite a uh a cliquey sort of who you know business and it's important that you know people who you know who don't you know who don't have that connection who whose dad didn't work for this club or whose you know mum doesn't have a job with 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 this newspaper that they get an opportunity to 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 sort of get their get their foot in the door and 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 find their way yeah, so obviously a lot of what we're talking about here is is about perception, is about how people are perceived within within the wider game. But also I think what you're talking about as well is this sort of maybe subconscious aspects to which discrimination can occur. I think something that really comes out in in recent times when 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 something like the Serena Williams scenario can play out at Flushing Meadows and and it seems to seems to have everyone drawn on one side or another of of a, of a debate what often isn't perceived in those sorts of scenarios is the way that actually implicit assumptions can sneak in under the radar. Given that's the case, I'm really interested in looking at the way that Kick It Out functions as as, as a sort of media company. Obviously, a lot of what they do is about... So you, you were mentioning before how as soon as something, as soon as a major incident happens within the game, you'll have journalists uh, approaching you for comment, etc. As a media and communications officer, you are doing a lot of social media stuff. You're doing a lot of website stuff. You're doing a lot that is bringing yourself out into the into the open, allowing people to see what, what is going on. So obviously all of this is to do with perception. And, and given everything that we said, given that, that racism, as you said, isn't just simply about being like, well, we know that racism is bad. It's about how that plays out. How do you think that the 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 notion of of being as in in this this sort of organisation, which is heavily media oriented, is affected by this? I mean, I think first and foremost, it is important to recognise that we obviously the the work in terms of perception, people often perceive us to be obviously quite a media heavy organisation because that's often how the public may engage with us. But I think it's important to recognise that we do we deliver a lot of work every year, and, yeah. and we have to do a better job at getting that out there and making sure people are aware but there's a lot of um there's a lot of work that we do that is not um is not just about getting ourselves in in the papers and stuff but um i think it's interesting what you say about the you know that you fact you picked up on the 
the my comment about you know saying that making it a bit more developed than just racism is bad and sexism is bad and stuff and and that is one of the the biggest challenges i think in in modern the modern social social media ages is is that nuance is, is being able to say that you know that there are certain incidents where you like you said with serena williams perfect example there's a real kind of you know, it's completely divisive discussion around, okay, well, it's, you you either think that Serena Williams behaved terribly and, um, is just playing the, uh, playing the, the sexist card or, or whatever. And then, and then on the other side, you've got people saying, oh, well, you know, you, you're just a, you're just a sexist or, or a racist. And that's why, if you think Serena Williams play, you know, behave badly. And I think yeah. it, it can be very difficult to um to strike that nuanced pose sometimes because people even if you do strike that nuanced pose people will characterize what you say as something more simplistic so a, a good example of this is um so last year uh we had an incident uh and i don't know if you remember this where um there was a song being sung by manchester united supporters about romelu yeah. lukaku um, obviously, in, you know, and it played on a stereotype of, of, of black men. Um, and, you know, I, I won't do it, no need to go into any more detail there. When we put out a comment about, about the issue, you know, we, we were, we had been aware of the incident and then we hadn't, you know, we were sort of talking within the organization about how we might approach this is not, is, we weren't just sort of all guns blazing going to just, you know, put out a statement condemning the United fans. That's not, that's not how we operate. But then we got a comment, we got a request from the Times, I think it was. And we gave them a comment saying, you know, we think no matter, um, you know, racial stereotypes, even if intended in a positive light, are, are never acceptable. And, and, and we don't think the song should be sung, you know, and, and, and and it was important to recognise that we did we did acknowledge that we didn't necessarily believe that Manchester United fans were sitting there saying you know they wanted to racially abuse Romelu Lukaku you know it wasn't necessarily an intentional thing but it plays into what you were saying about you know conscious and unconscious uh, racist behaviour and it, it may be that yes people thought that they were complimenting Lukaku but ultimately for us a racial stereotype is not is not acceptable and that was the point we were trying to get across um but unfortunately it, you know for a few days it blew up into this whole oh well kick it out pc brigade just trying to you know tell us what we can and can't do and and, and there was no real there was no there was a very um there was a real unwillingness to just take a step back and engage with the substance of what we were saying um, and, you know, obviously in the end, you know, the player himself actually came out. Um, well, I think his agent initially came out and then the player himself came out and, and said he'd like the song to be sung. And, and in the end, that, that was, that was the end of that. You know, the United fans obviously didn't want to go against the player's wishes. Um, but it's just interesting. You know, it can really be difficult to, to get across and have those nuanced and, um, developed discussions in the social media age where everyone it just is is very angry about things mm. you know you're nearly up to your three-year anniversary with kick out how would you say the the because the, the the media now is changing so quickly would you say that there are changes from the job that you do in that three years and how do you see kick it out looking at the at the social media sphere that that is presented with them and, and thinking ahead this is how because you you obviously mentioned there a lack of nuance in social media engagement does this make you sort of disp despair about about your job does it make you 
and your colleagues think that there might be better ways of engaging with with individuals how's that changed in the three years that you've been there um well i mean it's um it's interesting because you know it's uh it's funny you say despair about your job. I mean, there are times when, you know, maybe you've had a, you've had a long week and, and you put something out on social media and, and the response, you know, it, it does, it does make you, you know, it, you think, oh Lord, like, you know, are, are we ever going to win this battle type thing? But I think it, you know, in general, it, you know, 95% of the time, you just kind of, you, you, we know what we're here for. We, we, we know we, we're, we are on the right side of history. We know we, we know we're campaigning for the right cause and you have to press on. And I think, um, it's really important as well to, to remember that social media, despite its prominence, is not the be all, be all and end all. You know, the people who are really active on social media, it's still, and particularly Twitter, for example, which is where probably our, you know, our biggest engagement comes from. It's still, you know, ultimately a smallish percentage of the population. I couldn't give you the figure, but you know, it's important to realize that, that it's not, you know, that the work we do outside of the kind of social media sphere is really important too. So even if we put something out and, and you're getting some negative responses, some positive responses, you know, even if it's all negative, sometimes that will happen. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, that you stop, you know, saying the difficult things, you know, there has to be a balance between listening to public opinion and really trying to influence public opinion. And I think in the last uh, three years, um, you know, since I've been here, I think our, um, you know, I think, I mean, particularly actually in the last few months, um, you know, we are trying to become more of a conversational um, organization and really try to generate debates on social media. It, it can be difficult to, um, to do that at times because it, you know, it can be a minefield, but I think it's important that, um, I think for us, we have to acknowledge that we're not gonna, we're not just gonna put out a statement and then all of a sudden we will have changed thousands of people's minds on an issue mm. and, and that, that's that. I think we have to accept that the nature of what we do and also the popularity of football and it's such a controversial sport you know even away from racism if you're talking about referees decisions or whatever it's such a controversial and argumentative sport the way people perceive it I think we have to accept that that's going to happen and I think ultimately for us it's important that we're just generating the discussion getting people talking and and it may be that okay this time round, you know, the person who reads it doesn't doesn't like our statement, doesn't agree with our statement. But maybe in a few, you know, in a month, two months time when they've had a chance to start to d digest it more and, and they see the next statement or, or they see the next piece of work, you know, that's when they start thinking, actually, you know, may maybe they had a point, maybe maybe singing a song about the size of, you know, uh, size of someone's, you know, genitals is not an appropriate, um, you know, thing to be singing at a football game you know and or m maybe you know uh m maybe the language i used when i was um talking to a you know a female supporter you know a woman at a football game maybe actually that is not the language i should be using you know after having you know listened to a statement from kick it out or what have you so it's about really generating that debate and and trying to kind of slowly influence those you know those attitudes over a period of time because it, it unfortunately it, it's very difficult for anything like that to happen overnight. Yeah, it's interesting to say you talking about changing attitudes. I think that's that's the real tough aspect of your job. To what extent do you and your colleagues talk about that sort of thing? And and to what extent do you talk about ways of using the media as as a means of of, of achieving that? Is that something that's generally 
talked about by you guys or is it something that comes from above you and they say well we're going to try this approach see if we can do anything with this to to, to make a difference I mean, I think it's it's got to be a collaborative effort. You know, ultimately, the, the media team, we are the ones, um, you know, putting putting stuff out. We are the ones who are ultimately delivering the message. So we will have a say in what that message is. Ultimately, of course, you know, you, we have, you know, our chair, Lord Usley, our CEO, Rasheem Wood, our, you know, our senior management team, uh, Troy Townsend, Keely Baptista, who've been in, who've been working in equality for, for a very long time. It's very important that their voices lead the way in that. But at the same time, we, as the people who, who shape the message have, you know, we'll, we will get insights into, um, you know, into what, what the impact of a message may be. And we have to feed that back in. So there is a, there is a discussion that has to be had behind the scenes in terms of, right, well, how are we going to check, like you said, how are we going to change attitudes around this issue? What is the best approach for, for kick it out here to actually make an impact? And I think one of the things that um, perhaps we're trying to improve on at the moment and have been in the last few months is starting to perhaps move away from, move away from uh doing you know it's important that we do the reactive stuff and you know we have to highlight incidents of discrimination where possible but it's perhaps also one area where we need to improve on is 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 getting our proactive message out there and and getting ahead of it and and really trying to you know not just being there when people when something you know someone racially abuses someone or whatever may have happened and 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 then we get a request from a journalist not just giving the standard statement that people will expect from us it's important that also we're out there getting ahead and and influencing and and i think that's something we're trying to do and i think hopefully um that that will start to bear fruit over the over the coming months and and the coming years as well and you know it's been 25 years since we've been going as an organization we're always reassessing our impact and you know i think that's one of the the things over the you know, as we look ahead to the next 25 years, it's one of the things we'd like to do more of. So you're talking about the positive message there, which which is the, the, the proactive going out there and helping particularly teams uh, in the education phase, letting them how they should approach these issues and, and giving a little bit, like you say, this, this, this buzzword nuance is a really important word at the moment, especially in the in the social media age that we live in. What sort of approach do you have for that as a as a communications and media? Because obviously you 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 are the guys who respond to the requests for comment in in the negative sense whenever anything comes up. How do you guys um, approach the this other side of, of of actually sort of get like you, you described it as getting ahead of, of of the curve almost? Well, I mean, I think you know with our education work and stuff like that. Obviously, we're we're the we're the the media team. We're the communications professionals, so we can professionalize a message. We can you know ensure that we're you know covering our bases and and having having you know give, giving the message a bit of punch perhaps whereas it's but ultimately you know we have our education experts within the organization and we also have to be led you know we have to accept that you know our education manager Troy Townsend he's the one who has been delivering education for you know many many years and he has the expertise in that area so it's really important that we you know elevate his voice it's not just us coming you know coming in to to be like right well we'll write something on your behalf it's important that when incidents like these happen that 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 someone like Troy or someone like Rasheen our CEO or someone like you know our chair Lord Usley who's been one of the 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 foremost prominent you know race and equality campaigners in this country for the last 25 30 years and beyond it's really important that they have 
uh, like a leading voice in 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 cultivating that message and say you know this is you know this is this is not right we 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 need to be you know you know this you know whatever happens here that this practice is not okay or you know if it's our education market saying like how are we going to how are we going to educate the next generation to understand that discrimination is not something that's acceptable you know do we just go in there and say you know does troy you know or does our education delivery team just go in there and say you know you shouldn't say this and you shouldn't say that and you shouldn't say this or do you go in there and you have a conversation and say how do you think you know what do you think the impact of saying this might be you know getting them to getting them really to open up and and, and discuss these things in a in a sort of safe environment because we don't want to go in there we're not in there to be you know, punitive school teachers, you know, when we're delivering it, whether it's schools or first team squads or, you know, we even deliver to, to parents of academy players and, and, you know, guardians and, and to, to coaching staff and all kind. you know, we deliver to as many people as possible, but it's really about trying to get them to reflect themselves. It's not, it's not just about us kind of, you know, mm. imposing on them, you know the perfect you know the perfect message that we think they should have and you know we, we don't want everyone just to, to to parrot our our company line it's about you know giving people the tools themselves to, to reflect and i think between you know as a as a comms team our role is to try and support the education um the, the education team and to support the rest of the staff in 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 having their voices heard and 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 you know and and obviously that you know the education side is one thing obviously one bit we haven't necessarily talked as much about is our campaigning as an organization so campaigning on specific issues um you know we a couple of years ago we ran a um a campaign called call full time on hate um which was uh you know in basically in response to rising uh discrimination you know across a, a range of metrics whether it is um uh, community S- security trust which is a jewish community organization they had rising anti-semitism statistics tell mama which is a um you know measures anti-muslim uh hate crime they were they were seeing rising hatred obviously had all kinds of information coming out post brexit about you know uh, spikes in hate crime and stuff like that so we we campaigned as a response to that and uh it was a very um we were working very closely it was a very close collaborative work between the, the communications team you know as as us to actually we were the ones that actually had to get the message out there but yeah. it was very important that, that there was a strong input from the people who had the real kind of you know day-to-day expertise in that field in terms of the football media itself how, how closely are you guys monitoring what they're doing and to what extent do you ever respond to things that happen in in the football media? So I'm thinking, for example, of the uh, obviously racist takes on Raheem Sterling that were, were coming out during the World Cup. Do you guys ever respond to those sorts of things? And and to what extent do you sort of keep an eye in with what's going on in the media as a phenomenon? Mm. I mean, we certainly do. I mean, it's you know we um, we have spoken. You know, we have spoken about Raheem Sterling. We have tried to raise awareness. You know, I think even. Quite recently, a couple of weeks ago, Ian Wright spoke out about Raheem Sterling, and, and we supported his comments on mm. that. I think it's um, it's important that we, you know, that we are critical of the media itself too. Um, I think one sort of perhaps area of nuance, like I said, that that catchword we've been using that that sometimes gets missed is the fact that um, you know, you look at a lot of a lot of these 
awful pieces that get put out about the likes of Sterling and you know I remember when Rashford first came on the scene and they they dug up some story about a family member of his that had been involved in some kind of criminal activity you know really awful stuff but sometimes you have to remember that the it's not the it's not the sports journalists writing these pieces it's their news colleagues it's not the you know and and that's not to say that um that it's any less except you know acceptable or anything like that but it's you know a lot of the the journalists that we work more closely with are the um are the people on the sports desk and i you know i know i know many of them would would, would find it just as abhorrent as the next person so it's 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 also about raising that awareness i think sometimes amongst the public that that it's not you know it the, the the people who write stories, you know, it's okay to criticize Raheem Sterling for a poor performance and say, you know, he did not do enough in this area or he did, you know, he was wasteful with his opportunities and stuff like that. That is not in the same bracket as the front page of, you know, the Sun or the Mail or whoever was slagging him off about, you know, buying buying a house for his mum. You know, yeah. so I think it, yeah. it's important to to recognize those nuances. Um, but I think, you know, and it's also important at, at times to, um, it, it, we don't always want to just call, come out and, and, and call something racist off the bat, you know, or call something sexist off, off the bat. If it's not, you know, if it, it, it's, again, it's that word nuance in that, you know, if you come out and just say outright, that was racist, you are being racist, you have, you're making a racist attack. I mean, you know, obviously there are certain things where it, it, it's open and shut, but there are, you know, there's a lot of kind of, there's, there's more dog whistling stuff, there's more subtle stuff that, unfortunately, if you do just come out and, and all guns blazing and straight away say you're, you know, you're being racist, in a way that can have an effect, that, that, that a counterintuitive effect of, of of making people shut off and be like, ah, oh, you're just, you know, you're always calling stuff racist. You're always, you know, calling mm. stuff out as discrimination. So it's important to sort of tread tread lightly at time, you know, where possible. You know that, like I said, when when things are really overt, you absolutely have to come out and say that. But I think it's important. What we try and do sometimes is is again generate a conversation around an issue. So in the past with Sterling, at times when he has been under attack, it doesn't necessarily, you know, even if um, you know, lots of people saying, well, you know, they are targeting him as a young black man and that this is, you know, this is a racist article or something. We sometimes try and go for the more subtle approach of, of generating the conversation around it. So saying, well, why is it that this paper had picked out Sterling and, and not, you know, for instance, with his gun tattoo, why is it that uh, Raheem Sterling was, w- became the front page news, but Jordan Pickford who I believe and uh, I believe has a as a knife or something like that. It has a some kind of weapon I think tattooed in his body. Why was that not a conversation that that was 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 had amongst the media? Why was it only Sterling? You know, so it's to get people to start talking about it and to reflect themselves as well. Because I think the minute kick it out every time, you know, if if every time there's an incident that has even a whiff of discrimination, if we come steamrolling in and say this is, you know, this is discrimination, this is not acceptable, but, you know, I think people will, you know, people do tune out, and I think it's important that that people who don't agree with us are still willing to listen to us, you know? Yeah, that's very interesting, because I think, again, what we're talking about here is is all about perception, it's all about nuance, and there has become a particular brand of, uh, I think, 
takes on things like disc- well, any sorts of dis- discrimination, which are very much about labeling things. It's almost become like a, an ethical stamp- standpoint to be considered okay as long as you're saying that you decry all these forms of, of discrimination when that can have absolutely no impact in in the way that you then subsequently behave. And I think, yeah, this this sort of idea that you're talking about there is is more about how do you get people enculturated in these in these anti-discriminatory ways it's not simply good enough to be like that's that's bad that's bad that's bad you're saying actually you want people to you want people to be like well i I can see why this is wrong you know i can see why the way that whiteness polices black bodies is wrong here even if it doesn't seem that problematic to me a white person etc you you get to the heart of it in the sense of of what we are as an organization is i think because you mentioned it earlier you know earlier in our conversation i think about um how you know, sometimes people, or perhaps it was before, before we, before we went live, uh, that sometimes people will, um, be annoyed with kick it out because a player hasn't been banned for, you know, banned sufficiently for racism or hasn't been banned sufficiently for a sexist comment or whatever that may be. And then people are, like, oh, well, come and kick it out. What are you even here for? And I think it's a misunderstanding of what we are as an organization because ultimately we are not a sanctioning body. We are not the FA. We do not make the decision as to what pe- someone's banned for. You know, we are there as a pressure group, a campaigning group, yes, but also as an educational group that, that wants to give people the tools to challenge it themselves. Because ultimately, mm. you know, why is it only on kick it out? Why, what, to, to, to tackle discrimination? Why isn't it on, you know, why isn't it on, you know, Joe Bloggs or, you know, the the man or the woman who goes to the football game? Why isn't it on them to tackle discrimination? Why is it, you know, just because we have put our head above the parapet to to challenge this issue and to be the ones out there fighting the fight, it's not to say that it's not everyone else's responsibility as well. It's everyone within football's responsibility to challenge this issue. No matter what your background, it's your responsibility. You know, how many people perhaps may criticise Kicker Out for, again, you know, if they feel our punishment's not been sufficient or if they feel a statement's not strong enough or we haven't done enough on this issue or that issue. How many of them have been to a football game, heard a discriminatory comment and not reported it? I'm willing to mm. bet a lot. So I think yeah. that, you know, there, there's a real, um, that there needs to be, you know, a, a more an understanding and that's what we're trying to do, that this is, you know, we have taken up this fight, but it's not just, you know... the discrimination is not just kick it out's issue it's everyone's issue and it's really important that everyone does their bit and 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 starts to you know and starts to wake up to to it being a problem and i think that's why when we try and do the work we do we try and give people the tools so that they can do it you know it, you know if we deliver an hour or two hour workshop we're not expecting in that one or two hours to enlighten necessarily enlighten the person who took to go from uh, you know an outright racist to all of a sudden you know a you know a guardian reading you know <laughs> you know liberal it's, it doesn't work like that but it's about giving people the tools to to better themselves and to to identify the biases that they may have because everyone has biases everyone has uh, dis- you know, discrimination ingrained within them. That's how discrimination works. Even if you're, you know, woker than woke, you will have biases within yourself. And it's about recognizing those and being given the tools to, to improve. 
Just one quick question before we start concluding. You did mention that there have been criticisms of, of Kick It Out and there have been various directives boycotted by black players, including, amongst others, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Richards, Jason Roberts, uh, Julian Lescott as well, I think, in, in the past. How do you guys respond to those sorts of criticisms? Um, how, how does it feel when particularly ethnic minorities, people of colour, the, the sorts of people who are being discriminated against respond negatively to the things that you're doing. Um, I mean, I think it's 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 important. You know, that there's there's two parts of this because ultimately you you have to listen to criticism. You know, you can't just put your fingers in your ears and say, "Oh no, no, you don't know what you're talking about." Um, and I think you know that in the the thing that you referenced there when you know a whole host of black players and I think it was um, off the back of this is before my time but it was off the back of obviously the the John Terry and Tom Ferdinand incident and there was uh, a host of players who decided not to wear um, our t-shirts during the kind of dedicated week of week of action that that, that we mm. were doing at the time and you know w- we did listen to that and what we realised from our perspective was that. You know, we felt that there was a lack of understanding from some of those players as to what our role was, that it wasn't our job to say, you are banned for 10 games. That is the FA's job. But people don't always understand that. But we didn't want to then say, oh, well, you just you just don't understand, guys. What we then did is that was when we recruited our first professional players sort of engagement manager um, and if effectively meant we had someone who could directly speak to players. And it was a former professional himself at the time. So um, Paul Mortimer, um, who has moved on to the organisation now, but his role was to engage with the, um, you know, engage with the players, you know, around incidents, provide support if they'd been, if they'd suffered an incident of discrimination. One of the first things we do behind the scenes, yes, reporting it to the relevant body, but we also contact the club directly and offer support to that player. You know, and we continue to do that to this day. Um, so that was that's one of the, the key the key parts of it is to is to respond to criticism and 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 see how we can improve that. But at the same time as well, we also have to stand our ground and we can't. You know, at times there is criticism that comes from a lack of understanding of what we do. And whilst it's important, we try to educate and raise awareness of what we do. We also, you know, can't just let people we, we we're quite easy you know quite, people do like to 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 you know kick kick it out it's easy to you know use us as a um as you know a sort of a stick to beat with you know it's it's very easy to have a go at kick out at times and that's why it's important for us you know to to, to come and say no actually we 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 have we are do we are working in this area you know we are doing what we can to um to to tackle this issue you know for, let me give you an example um recently there was uh so the um the petitions committee of the government um i think uh, the way it works is if there's a petition that gets enough signatures on a certain issue they will then do an investigation into the issue um casey price obviously um harvey uh you know at the uh, uh harvey's um Mum had had started a petition around uh, discrimination against uh, disabled people um, online because obviously her son had had faced a lot of it, and um, as part of the investigation, the petitions committee they found a lot of uh, social media discrimination going on towards 
uh, disabled people from football supporters. Now they then um, sent us a letter, which they, you know, which they made public. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm not doing anyone a disservice by by saying that here. They sent us a letter with quite strongly worded, saying, you know, what are you guys? What are kick it out? What are the FA? And you know, what are you guys doing about it? You know, you know, you, you need to you need to sort yourself out. You know, this is a serious issue. We expect something to be done, and it really came from a lack of understanding from their part as to you know particularly kick it out what our role is in that issue because it was like well it's not just something we can click our fingers and say right everyone in football stop 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 discriminating against disabled people and the other thing was is what they hadn't realized is we as an organization have been for years probably before a lot of people campaigning on the issue of online and social media discrimination we ran a campaign called click it out over 2000 the euro 2016 we've done research we're trying to get people to notice trying to get people to do something about it trying to get politicians to legislate against you know against online abuse and be a bit firmer and do more about it um but it's obviously it's, it's easy for them to you know it was easy for that the petitions committee to to kind of utilise football and utilise kick out as a name that they can be like, right, well, we'll blame them, we'll put out this statement, it'll get a bit of attention for our for the work we've done and it'll make it seem like we're doing something. And, you know, we had to come back, we, we put out, uh, I think, we, we had a request for comment from, from I think it was Huffington Post, and we put out a comment to be, you know, to be quite clear, well, you know, we're quite pleased that finally the, the, the government and people politicians are waking up to the issue of on, online discrimination and we welcome the intervention uh, and then we try to explain that actually this is an issue we've been campaigning on for a long time and and we would welcome greater involvement and greater support and w- whether it's promoting the work you know the 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 app we have we have an app to that people can report discrimination on we have you know whether it's promoting our work in this area whether it's providing more funding whether it's expanding their own online you know anti-online discrimination you know departments of the police or whatever that might be you know we want them to do their bit too so i think um you know the point I'm trying to make is that it's very important for us to have a have have a mixed approach to listen to criticism and really engage with criticism, but also to know when criticism is actually unfounded and we have to stand up for ourselves and say actually no, you know we're not going to accept that. One last question, and this is a question that I ask everyone who comes on here. So it's it's mainly just about the future. Um, how do you see the future of the media going, and how do you see Kick It Out's place within that future? Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, we live in we live in strange times, don't we? With um, you know, with with journalism it, as it is, you know, struggling to make money, and 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 fewer and fewer. Uh, jobs certainly in the print media, and you're getting more and more uh, online and social media. Um, you know, organisations and, and companies that, that, that are, are doing doing work that way and, and video content and all that. And I think I think we as an organisation are trying to adapt and and we have and I think it's important that we continue to do that. You know, I think 20, 25 years ago, you know, any statement we'd be, do, you know, it, it would only be in a newspaper or, or maybe an interview on TV. And I think we certainly are not going to be abandoning traditional media anytime soon because you know ultimately still millions of people still you know read the 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 main newspapers millions of people still watch bbc news tv and stuff like that but i think it's important from our perspective that we start to engage you know and continue to engage as we have done the last few years more with with those kind of new you know new alternative media so 
earlier, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, on August 23rd, we had uh, an event called Kick It Out Live, which was a sort of uh, launching our 25th anniversary season, which is uh, what this this year is. And we had a panel discussion with uh, Robbie Lyle from Arsenal Fan TV, um, uh, Ellie Mengham from Copper 90 and Martha Kellner, who's, uh, a Guardian, uh, the, the guard, the chief sports supporter, I think, at the Guardian, but moving to Sky soon. Um, and it was a really fascinating discussion about diversity and representation, uh, within media. Um, and I think those are the kind of conversations that we want to be having more of because, you know, millions and millions of people are now, you know, their main source of, of football news may be from Arsenal fan TV or maybe watching, you know, YouTube videos on Copper 90. And I think if we're not in those circles, we're not putting ourselves at the centre of those conversations, we will fall behind and we don't want to be seen at any point as an outdated stale organization we want to be at the forefront um of of the of equality issues but we also need to be at the forefront of of the mediums that 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 people are talking about those issues within you know george how can we follow you how can we follow the work that kick it out are doing what's the best way of us going about doing that well um myself i you can follow me on twitter you know g starky midder and um kick it out is at kick it out um you know we're on twitter instagram facebook so you can follow us on all three of those um you know plenty going on like i said it's our 25th anniversary season this year so there's a lot of activity going on you know we're, we're really the key sort of message we're trying to get across is that you know it's been 25 years of 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 what we think is great work not just from us but from all of football but it's also about how do we look ahead you know what's next what are the challenges that lie ahead we don't want this season to be about patting ourselves on the back so um, I'd love for everyone just to, you know, really keep an eye on what we're doing and, and, and engage with our social media stuff. Um, you know, we have actually got a brand new website coming out very, very soon. Um, so, so do keep an eye on that too. And, you know, get in touch if you've got any thoughts on anything I've said or, you know, if you, you know, feel like kick out someone you can work with, get in touch because we're always wanting to, to work with new people and, and, and really um, work with as many different people as possible. We also have a podcast actually that has just come out and it's you know available to download on Acast, iTunes and all the usual places that um, would be great for everyone to you know download subscribe etc um you know i think we've released four uh short away um which ha- cover a, a sort of a range of our our work um you know stuff that i probably haven't managed to speak about in in this podcast because there's there's so much that we're actually doing but yeah ha- ha- have a listen um if you get the chance because uh there'll be plenty of uh, sort of fascinating i hope insights into into what it is we do george thanks so much for coming on today thank you very much for having me thanks for listening to the football media podcast with me john mckenzie if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate and review on itunes or follow us on twitter at footy media pod you can tune in next week to hear alex stewart talking about tifo a media company changing the face of the football media but until then have a good week goodbye 